See, now your video's frozen on my screen. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage of is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb show. Sorry for all the problems that we've had. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. We, we, I mean, the technical difficulties are just all over the place. But hopefully you can hear us and Rob say something. Check. Can you hear me okay? Not really. I'm sure I can. You can I'm hear sure. me. Hopefully I, can hear, people, I can hear you just fine. What I'm going to do when you play the clips is I'm just, I have to crank my volume in my like really loud. But if you talk, it's going to blow me away. So when, whenever you play a clip, I'll just, I'll just turn up my volume and, and just hopefully I'll be able to hear everything. So basically what's going on today is that we don't have uh, – all of our volume is really whacked out, and I'm not sure why. Um, Rob's not able to hear our soundboard. Uh, we're not able to play clips, really. But I guess we just got to go with it. We're a half an hour late on everything. So uh, what are the, what's everybody saying about – no Check. Rob. They're, They're not, not hearing me. They don't hear Rob. Mm, they don't hear Rob. Okay. Check, check, check. Check, well, check. Oh, hang on just a sec. I think I know why. Okay, hang on just a sec. Give me a second. Let's go Skype. Okay, now say something. Check. Is that better? Say it again. Testing, testing, yeah, testing. Okay, Rob should be on. Okay. Well, now after a half an hour of technical difficulties, we'll just try to go with it. Uh, let's wait for the uh, let's wait for the guys to catch up in the ca- chat room to make sure that you're coming through. And I'm going to put a couple of these into. I'm putting a couple of my audio clips into the soundboard. Well, all right. Okay. Hey, look, so, I want. Is it? <laughs> I was wondering what. If, in future, you know, when you videotape, are you videotaping us right now? I am. Okay, cool. Would it be possible down the road if we had, if all the technology, that when the the recording could have a, a live feed, or it would take the chat box and put it below, so when someone watched the show, they could see the, they could read the feed that people were saying. You see what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure we probably could do that, but uh, right now, you know what? I'm 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 happy. <laughs> Let's I'm, just get audio. I'm happy that we just have audio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we're gonna go with it. We're gonna go with it the way it is. Okay. So I just turn everything down, and um, let's talk about I don't know what's going on. How's your week been? Besides, uh, you know, spiritual warfare, <laughs> we're having all sorts of weird stuff going. Yeah, it's just, it's just been crazy. Next week will be better, I promise. Um, yeah, we just got to keep working on it. Get get things going. Okay, so I found something, and I don't know. I don't know if people will be able to hear this or not. Let's check and see. 
Um, hang on just a second. <laughs> I did. I said videotaping, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on just a sec. Let me. Um, Smith called me on. I'm trying to get an application here so that people will be able to hear this. Okay, so let's try this. Um, I'm going to try playing a clip. Let's see if people will be able to hear it. Here we go. They'll say Jesus was just a man. They'll deny the... Okay, you can't hear that, can you, Rob? Barely, barely, barely. Okay, well, we're going to go with it anyway. So this is a clip I found earlier today. Um, so Larry Hurtado, and I guess I'm just going to launch right into this. Um, Larry Hurtado is a pr professor who basically denies the deity of the Messiah. Uh, he says that Jesus never claimed to be divine, and he claims that he never claimed to be worshipped. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who said that? Larry Hurtado. You with me on this? Mm. I didn't know he said that. So uh, Chris Tilling takes him to task. I mean, super hardcore in his in his new book, uh, in his new book, uh, Paul's Divine Christology, which I think is a, a a good book. It's not for the layperson. There's no doubt about that. It's I mean, it's hardcore. It's hardcore theology. Like if you don't know Greek, you can't read the book. He doesn't even transliterate stuff for you. He just expects that you will know Greek, and in some places he know he expects that you'll know German too. So, I mean, he's, and he's like maybe 40, 45 years old. So it's not like he's, you know, part of the old, old school of, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, this is what this person puts up this video, uh, and it says Larry Hurtado refutes James White. Did Jesus claim to be God and ask to be worshiped? Listen to, listen to this audience. Today, what you have is most people denying not that aspect of the biblical revelation. They'll say Jesus was just a man. They'll deny the deity of Christ as various groups do. Where do you go to find evidence? Okay, so James White just goes on and on and on for five minutes. He goes for five minutes talking about all the different references in the apostolic scriptures where it talks about Yeshua being God, Yeshua uh, claiming to be God, all these different things, okay? And then at the very end of the video, the person who edited this, whose name is Yaya Snow, I've never heard of this person, uh, but Yaya Snow, who apparently has it out for James White, puts this clip in here of Hurtado, and who, by the way, is sitting next to Bart Ehrman uh, at, at this conference. And this is in your show notes, by the way. Uh, and here is what uh, Hurtado says. That's all he says. That's it. That's what we get. Just He just claims it. No references. No nothing. He just says, yeah, Jesus never claimed to be, uh, never claimed to be God, never claimed to, never said he was needed to be worshipped. Nope. That's, uh, you know. And that's his, that's his refute to James White. 
I don't know why that ticked me off so much, but it, look, if you're going to put a video together, at least put some evidence out there. I got one for you too, Rob, because Rob saw this video. So another one that we pulled up. <laughs> well, see, I, I'm not going to be able to hear it. So I know, but you, uh, you talked about, let's see here, what is uh, the name of this guy? Hannock Young on the Pete Rambo. You, you know that? Oh, yeah, that was a couple years. Yeah, I, I know the clip. Okay, so Pete Rambo. I hope that guy was in the military with a name like Pete Rambo, right? It'd be a shame to waste that name without. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Pete Rambo uh, now has this guy named Hanuk Young. And am I saying that right? Hanuk? Hanuk? Well, it's Enoch. Hanuk. Oh, I got you. All right. Because he's an Orthodox Jew, remember? Yes, of course. Do you have to say it in a Jewish way? So, uh, this Orthodox Jew. But this is a this clip was a couple years ago, I think. Who cares? It, I mean, it's just so bad. This guy is going around now. Hanuk is going around now. The United States. He's an Orthodox Jew. He's going to different congregations, basically affirming two house theology. I have three clips, but we won't play them because Rob can't hear anything. Um, basically, he says, "I mean, what's your assessment of the video?" We have the videos in your show notes, by the way. What's the what's your assessment, Rob? I just I, I think you have two guys sitting down. One guy is saying, "Yeah, you know, here I am, a a Christian. I don't wear a kippah. I put tzitzit on my belt loops, you know." And I'm sitting, and then the other guy is Orthodox Jew who doesn't believe in Yeshua, doesn't feel any uh, conviction. Of sin, repentance, uh, and need to believe in Yeshua. So, in other words, the, the Orthodox Jew, Yeshua is not a solution to any problem he sees in his life. <laughs> but, but he does have a solution to biblical prophecy. He sees the two. They're going around the world trying to say, "Oh, Jews are Judah," and then there's Ephraimites out in the world, some of which are in the Christian Church. They don't have to be in the Christian Church, but there's Ephraimites out there. And that God's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And it really has nothing to do with Yeshua. Um, you know, it, and so what we need to do is learn to overcome the 2,000 years of hostility between Jewish-Christian relationship and learn to work together for peace and common understanding and all this kind of talk. And, and the whole time, Yeshua is just not even part of the conversation. Oh, I think the most shocking part about the whole video, six minutes in, okay, and once again, this is in your show notes, so you can go watch this video. Six minutes in, Rambo, uh, who professes to be a believer in the Messiah, looks oh, at Oh, we this, believe in the same Messiah. Is that we, the one? Yeah, he, he says, we believe in the same Messiah. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know what. He I, says, we believe in the same Messiah, we believe in the same God. Now, I understand a lot of people are going to say we believe in the same God because we believe in the God of Israel. However, Yeshua says, no man comes to the Father except through me. And this Orthodox Jew clearly does not believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. How I don't understand how they believe in the same Messiah. And it's all like love and rainbows and kittens. Uh, but, you know, they're not going to... Of course, why would you talk about, uh, you know, the... Why would you talk about the differences that you have the complete differences. That's the thing. Well, let's not talk about our differences. And what we'll do is we're going to believe that God's working through both of us, both our groups. And 
but what what the the subtext is don't tell me that I need Yeshua don't tell me that don't you know I don't want to hear it I'm not gonna in, in other words Caleb you and I let's say I'm I'm not a believer but I'm an Orthodox Jew and you're a believer underneath is Caleb if we're gonna work together you can't keep telling me that Yeshua is Messiah and that I need to repent and life is only found in him you're gonna have to stop bringing that message to me actually I think what I think what Han, Hanuk or whatever is is trying to say what he's actually saying is look we believe in the same Messiah you just believe he's come once and when he comes he'll tell you look I didn't already come once and you'll say oh oops we made a mistake yeah like he'll when, when the Messiah comes he'll correct the, the division yeah and, and, but and for now it's not for us to talk about Messiah you'll just say oh I I, I made a mistake I'm sorry and he'll say it's okay it's okay. Now you know the truth. Now it's okay. So basically, and, and the, what, what it means is put aside your Gospels and yeah. all the letters to Paul. Put those aside because we don't know if they're really true or not. And what is and what is Follow right? my program because I'm telling you that Ezekiel 37 is happening right now. You put aside your apostolic writings. Join with my program of yeah. fulfilling Ezekiel 37. And down the road, when the Messiah, true Messiah comes, he'll straighten us all out. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, you know, then what? what is... Uh, what is Rambo saying? Oh, well, we believe in the same Messiah. But when, when he comes back, he'll tell you, hey, look, it's okay. I already came once. Now you know. Hear the apostolic scriptures. Don't worry about it. You're good. Is this really the, the, the gospel that we find? I mean, is this yeah. really the gospel that we find in the, in the apostolic scriptures? Oh, it's so frustrating. It really is very. Uh, I like Lois's point. Is there such thing as MC like PC? It's like political correct. It's messianic correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's messianic correct to 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 go. Oh, you're an Orthodox Jew. Oh, oh. you must not. You must not need the gospel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you already are walking in the ways of Hashem. You must. You you don't have any sin, or you your sin is already. You know you've got another means. Uh. So yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you about Yeshua. After all, we're post-missionary. I think it's so frustrating to me because it, because the, I see this as like people giving up on the gospel. I know Rambo's probably going to say, "Oh no, 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 I I still truly believe." But basically, I mean, do you do you see this as the same as I do? I see this as a complete Arminian tactic, Arminian theology. Also. Because it's like, oh, if I give them the real gospel, if I tell if I tell this Orthodox Jew the real gospel, that no, we don't believe in the same God, or that no, we don't believe in the same Messiah, and you need to accept Yeshua as the Messiah, uh, or else you can't come to the Father. If I tell him that, he's not going to believe. And so I have to change it. You know, I have to make the gospel pal palatable to the Orthodox Jew, and when I do that, then he'll accept. He'll accept what I'm saying, and then slowly but surely, I can work him into, uh, you know, what what I want. You know, th then the Holy Spirit will do the work to, you know, bring him around. You know, it's the same kind of thing that that, that uh, Shapira is doing. Oh, I'll 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 totally distort the gospel. I'll say that Metatron is the, is the same as Yeshua. I'll do all yes, the... it's the same Yeshua. It's the, it's the same, same Yeshua, Yeshua. Of course. Caleb, Caleb, I know you're an Orthodox Jew. I know you don't believe the gospel. I know you've read it and you you call Yeshua, you say you say Yeshua, his name should be modeled out. But I'm but 
I just want to let you know it's the same guy that in your in your in your own <laughs> sacred texts, in your Zohar, in your Talmud, in your Midrashim, in your Machzor for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there's this person you evoke, Yeshua, Sarha Panim or whatever, Prince of the Presence, and you call him Metatron. He is who we call Jesus. It's the same person, Caleb. So, I just want you to know that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you you need to read. You know, you need to repent. I'm not telling you you need to read the Gospels, but you already have Yeshua. So, you know, if you tell me you don't believe in Him, sorry, you already you do already, and you just don't. You're just not paying attention to your own scriptures. Sorry to break you the news. And the Kamatria is there to back it up. Of course. Speaking of which. Oh, yeah, but we don't have the intro. It's okay. Maybe maybe, maybe, maybe the reason our soundboard went down today is because the Lord, is because somebody who owns the rights to the, uh, to, <laughs> to the song that we use is listening. <laughs> no, here we go. I'll just okay. do it without. Because okay. I got scripture. I want to get us some scripture. There we go. Do it. Can I do it? Okay. It's what? Rob's Gematria time. Uh, man. Oh, that yeah, view yeah. is headed for deep mischief. Okay. Today, show number 113. <laughs> Here's some good ones. Seriously. Some good Gematria here. Slicha. <laughs> Slicha means... I'm sorry. Mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Okay. Here we go. Uh, but here's some good. B'nai Edom, the sons of Edom. Okay. You might wonder, why would Rob want to point out bring up this 113 gematria value sons of edom well yeah i'll have you know oh please that another gematria is lehilachem to make war and in exodus 17:10 i'm going to read it in hebrew vayaas yehoshua ka'asher amar lo moshe lehilachem ba'amale moshe va'aron va'hur alu rosh hagiba now here here's Here's what it is. So Josh, this is right at the war with Amalek in Exodus 17. So Joshua did just as Moses told him and made war with Amalek. Lahilachem. And Lahilachem adds up to 113. So the 113 Bnei Edom, who are the sons of Edom except Amalek to make war with Amalek? That's the magic of, of Gematria 113. And if that's not enough, that we're at battle with the sons of Amalek, the sons of Edom, Caleb, is Psalm 61.4. Ki haita machseli migdal oz mipnei oyev. For you are my refuge, strong tower against the enemy. This is the psalmist crying out to Heavenly Father. And the word for refuge, machse, adds up to, yes, you guessed it, 113. Machse is a refuge. As we fight against the Bene Edom, the sons of Edom. Mm. And finally, to top it all off, yeah. Ke, Ke Magen, Ke as a shield, is also 113. So I'm just saying that there is a battle today, and I think it's uh, that, that battle with the sons of Amalek is, is trying to creep in, and, and Amalek's trying to break down our technology. But the Lord is our machse, our shield, our our. He's our refuge. I wonder if people can hear my uh, my soundboard now. 
Let's check it out and see. You're a legend in your own mind. Your mom goes to college. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Loudmouth and the Hawk. You know, I feel like every, I know you can't hear anything, but I feel like everything that I'm playing is super loud and I can, I can hear it distorting. Oh, what an annoying day. That's okay. It's okay. Ah, just good thoughts, right? Good thoughts. Um, let me turn this off real quick. Don't save. Okay. You can still hear me, right? Yep. Okay, good. Okay, so let's move on then. Um, you know, this is going to be a... Uh, <laughs> everybody's saying, yes, we can hear the soundboard. Um, this is going to be a... I, I think I feel like this show is going to be cut short. Not because we don't have the material, which, I mean, maybe we don't have the material. Who knows? Uh, but just because uh, we've ran into so many issues and we started half an hour late on the air... Uh, so, you know, maybe we'll chop this up. By the way, I do want to, I know everything like in the beginning of the show kind of flew out the window and that's okay. Uh, but now I'll, I'll remind people, if you didn't listen last week, we have a new Vimeo page uh, where the Robin Caleb show, the full length Robin Caleb show will be hosted. Now the shorter clips will still be up on YouTube and uh, yeah, but go find our Vimeo page. It's vimeo.com backslash resource. Find it and enjoy it. Okay, so let's move on. The thing that uh, we're talking about today is this passage of scripture. And let me actually get to it. Uh, passage of scripture is Acts 15.10. And I'll read it in the ESV version. It says, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? So, uh, Rob made a very interesting observation. The observation is, is that we have several different outlooks on what this is, okay? You have the standard Christian version, which is that uh, this is talking about the Torah, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's a typical um, reading there. Well, actually, I'll tell you how typical it is. I looked at uh, five, different, uh, five different Christian commentaries. Oh, did you? Oh, good. Which ones did you look at? Okay, so I looked at the uh, W, what is it? I've, the Word Bible Commentary. They don't actually have anything on Acts. They haven't done anything on the book mm. of Acts. So, oh, did you look at Keener's? Do you have Keener's? I did look at Keener's. We'll talk about that. He's actually He actually brings up an interesting point here. However, uh, first, so the stand, basically I went in a row. All four of the ones that I looked at took the same position. Pillar, uh, pill, pillar or Pillar, New mm -hmm. Testament Commentary, Anchor Bible Commentary, Hendrickson Kissed a Mocker, and then there was one other that I looked at. They all take the same view, that this is talking about the Old Testament. Now, there was one. Check this out. Hang on just a sec. Oh, by the way, uh, Adam Smith, before we came on the air, told me that uh, my <laughs> I have a reference to... Uh, Wall, uh, Robert W. Wall, the Acts of the Apostles pages, and then the pages are one hundred or one through three sixty nine. I didn't do that. I'm sorry. That was uh, that was my accordance. Somehow did that. Okay. Anyway, so um, he says, I don't know what page this is on. Actually, I'm sorry. I apologize. He says Peter's rhetorical question, "Why are you putting God to the test?" Verse ten calls the council back to the re relevant issue at stake. Whether the circumcision of the Gentiles is a necessary practice of Christian community. That's true. 
So basically, I I take this to me that that they've just come out this uh, of this whole idea of conversion. Now I take the the term here circumcision to mean conversion. Is that how you're taking this, Rob? Well, where's the, what passage? Where does it say circumcision in this passage? Well, it doesn't. But before, the, okay, hang on, just like let's get in verse in, in ten or eleven. Yes. Or, no. No. So one, uh, let's read from. Acts 15.1, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas, so in my mind, this is, now are you, talk about this for a few seconds. Are you assuming that this is eight days? Yeah, this, I don't, I don't, I don't think that the group in Acts 15.1, the, the message that was being taught in Antioch in Acts 15.1 is not the same message of 15.5 that the Pharisees are making in Jerusalem. They're different, they're different types. The, the wording is, Luke uses different vocabulary. I know as it gets translated into English, it, it kind of conflates and looks like it's the same, but it's different. Okay, so, so yeah, I, I would think, I, and I think this, uh, the eighth dayers is a good, a good candidate for what's going on in Acts 15.1. I can't, you know, we can't prove it uh, outright, but they have uh, something very specific, what, what they have in mind when they say according to the, uh, the custom of Moses. Okay, but okay, so you think that there's more than one group going on here in one through nine? Yeah, I think in one, uh, Acts fifteen one, there's one group. Acts fifteen five, you have Pharisees who believe, okay, so, who are saying something, and they're in Jerusalem. So okay, and so so let's start in fifteen four. When fifteen one, fifteen one, we don't, we're not told those people are even believers. Okay, the so fifteen four, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed to the uh, welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. They uh, declared all that God had done with them, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. So you have two different things going on here. You have to yeah. circumcise them and to keep the law of Moses. The reason I think that these are two different things is because circumcision is a part of the law of Moses, right? You're, command right. you're commanded to be circumcised. So why would he say circumcise and the law of Moses? Why would he just say to keep the law of Moses? And I, my idea is that the Pharisees, and we'll leave all the other groups out for now, but the Pharisees had some kind of a ritual or a custom of circumcision, like now you're part of us kind of a thing. We're going to circumcise you. When we circumcise you, you kind of become part of our fold. Right, right. And see, that ver the, it is necessary to circumcise them. In, in Greek, peritemnane is a, a present infinitive, which present in Greek being a, a largely aspectual language, it means that they're basically setting up a circumcision center. <laughs> in other words, they're having they what what these yes. Pharisees are what these yes what they're envisioning is an institutionalized uh, <laughs> procedure, like like they're going to set up the 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 Brit house Next. down at the corner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that you need that that in order to be part of us, you have to go through that booth over there. You got to go down and do that. That, in other words, they're envisioning an institutionalization where this is uh, set up as a as a a regular procedure that is uh, continual. Okay, so let's keep going. 
15, 7. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Be brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Which is right. Okay. Can we pause there? Yeah, exactly. I want to pause there too, because this Caleb, is... Caleb, do you think that when it says that, that God made no distinction between us and them, right? Cleanse their heart by faith. Does that mean that Jews too have to have their hearts cleansed by faith? Absolutely. Not only that, but... So it's I, not just Gentiles who need clean hearts. Exactly. And not only that, but now when you have groups like the MJAA, the UMJC, other groups, IMCS, that are saying that Jews and Gentiles... That, that there are commandments to, to set the Jews apart from the Gentiles, to make them distinct from the Gentiles. What do you do with 15.9? He made no distinction between, the, between us and them. Yeah. I, I, I assume they're going to say that this is for salvation, right? Okay. Um, but the point is, is that now we get to 15.10. Quote, now, therefore, we, uh, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples— that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Now, here's the interesting thing, is that the Christians, the Christian commentators take this to mean the Torah. So they say, look, the Torah has been done away with. And the, the Christian commentators, at least they're going to be consistent. They're going to say it was Jew and Gentile alike. No one had to keep the Torah anymore, and this is proof of it, right? However, this idea that neither we nor our fathers could bear, I don't understand this because David seems to think that the... That the uh, the Torah itself was a wonderful thing, right? So I don't understand how, and so, I mean, it, it, it seems like, and actually, okay, now let's bring in Keener. Well, here's here, one other, could I share one other thing yeah, on the please, heart? I think that fits in. Psalm 51, David says, right, he says, Lev tahor barali halohim, a lev tahor, a clean heart. And a clean heart, that's, in the Greek, that's the same, uh, the same wording, a, a pure heart, a, clen a cleansed heart. So, in other words, when I read what Peter is saying here in Acts 15, uh, verse 9, cleanse their heart by faith, he's saying they are, they are coming before God just as, as King David did, hmm. saying, I need a brand new heart. It's, you know, David might have been, as Jewish as you can get, <laughs> he was king, right? Um, in the line of Messiah, hmm. even. Um, but David himself knew that he was a sinner in need of a new heart. And uh, so, yeah, I, I see Peter's point here as, look, we're, uh, this is not about what man does to try to impress God or to fit through other men's expectations. This is a convicted heart of sin before the holy law of God and our need for repentance and the gift of faith and, and receiving of forgiveness through what Yeshua has done. That's what this is about and mm -hmm. levels the playing field, right? Anyway, okay, I just wanted to Okay, so emphasize. let's go to Keener. This is interesting. So Keener is somewhat of a bridge, I would say, in between mainstream Christianity and almost messianic faith. Not that Keener, now I don't know Keener's uh, stance on Torah as a whole. I know that he takes the Noahide laws as the four uh, things that were given to the Gentiles in Acts 15, 21, uh, what, 20? 21, uh, 21 and following. So I thought he was just going to take a standard view that this, this is the Torah. But 
this is oh by the way i'm holding a book that is larger than uh your yellow pages uh hmm. and it is volume that's volume three volume three, three. of acts Al <laughs> almost five thousand pages combined i think of all the volumes oh no 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 Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm yeah, sorry. all yes, the all yes, that yes, that yes. one there is probably what fifteen hundred or more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least. Okay, so he says uh, this is a long quote, but I I think we can handle it. Although much of our Jewish evidence postdates uh, Luke's era, its coherence in those sources and with Luke's usage suggests that it reflects widespread earlier opinion. Jewish texts often speak of the divine yoke, including the yoke of the law or of the commandments of of God's yoke. Uh, and of the yoke of his kingdom, often in relation to the commandments. Perhaps relevant here, uh, here later rabbis spoke of Gentile converts accepting the yoke of the commandments, and he gives a reference. Although yokes could represent difficult burdens, they could also be a positive image. Jewish people embrace the law as God's gift, and he then cites Acts 2.38. And the, quote, yoke of the Torah was generally viewed as a pleasant exemption from worldly cares rather than as a burden. By itself, yoke is not negative. Peter's uh, mention of an unbearable burden, however, is. A Gentile would, of course, normally be welcome to take on more commandments than were required, but a Gentile convert might find the array of Jewish laws more difficult than someone who had grown up with them. Given Acts 15's evocation of the of themes that also figure heavily in Galatians, it may be that both 15.10 and Galatians 5.1 refer to the law when applied as a legalistic standard. It is possible that a contrast with this abuse of the law also applies to Matthew 11.29-30. Christians of following generations spoke of the yoke of Christ's grace and of bearing as much as uh, uh, possible of the Lord's yoke as well as of the new law of Christ, freeing one from compulsion. Perhaps the problem was human inability to keep the law. Okay, and he goes on and on and on. And actually, one of the things that he cites here is something that F of OZ cites as well. we'll oh, yeah, uh, the Didache. Didache 62. Yeah, yeah, Now, this is actually a, uh, a very interesting document to me. Uh, do, do you know a lot about the Didache there? Uh, yeah, um, it's disputed. Some people say it's, oh, it's early Christian, like it's early, mid-first century. Some people say, no, it's second century. But it does seem to... Some people say it's the 4th century, I think. Well, yeah, it does seem to... It has it seems to put Sunday worship... It's like Sunday's already been established as like the day of worship. Yeah, but they do, they do have some interesting, what I would consider more... Uh, Pharisaic practices, like they have a grace after meal and the didache. So, basically, let's let's explain this a little bit for our listeners. The didache it purports to be from the uh, from the uh, apostles, straight from the apostles. Um, and hang on, I actually have it here. And it starts out actually with some quotes from Yeshua himself. This is how it starts. The didache, uh, the didache, the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles by the twelve apostles. There are two ways, one of life and one of death, and there is a great difference between these two ways. Now, this is the way of life. First, you shall love God who made you. Second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But whatever you do not wish to happen to you, do not do to, uh, to another. The teaching of these words is this. Bless those who curse you and pray for your enemies. So, I mean, it goes on and it, it continues to quote uh, or allude to quotations from uh, Yeshua himself. Uh, but it, it basically has like a halakhic guide to certain things. They have a grace after meal 
in here, which seems to be not what the church was doing in later times. So uh, and, there's like, what do you do if there? What if someone visits you and claiming to be a prophet? Um, there's all different kinds of questions that come up. Yeah, and so um, the question now this was found once again in the 1800s. That was kind of like the the glory years of finding uh, different texts and. Uh, People differ on when they should date it. Some date it to the first century. Others date it all the way as late as the fourth century. Um, what do you think, Rob? You think it's early? I don't know. I think the fact that it has Sunday worship kind of puts it later rather than earlier. Well, maybe second century. And also, it, it says it says the whole. It says something. If you can bear the whole yoke of the Lord, you'll be perfect. Yeah. So but then I it got, says I, you won't be saved unless you're perfect. No, so this, this later is, on. This is the passage that Rob just referenced. This is Didache 6. Now, 6, six only has three verses in it. So Didache 6, 1 through 3, this is what it says. See that no one leaves, and they're kind of on to a new, a new topic here in 6, okay? And then they change in 7. So, see that no one leads you astray from this way of the teaching, for such a person teaches you without regard for, for God. For if you are able to bear the whole yoke of the Lord, you will be perfect. But if you are not able, then do what you can. Now, Concerning food, bear what you are able, but in any case, keep strictly away from meat sacrificed to idols, for it involves the worship of dead gods. This obviously goes contrary specifically to what Paul says, where he says it doesn't matter, right, in in, uh, in 1 Corinthians. So each of it says, do what you are able, then it gives example. That's one, and then it'll say baptism. Yeah, in 7, it, it should be immersion, baptism. Yeah. do what you are able, but if you're not able to, ba- to immerse in water, then sprinkle right and then sprinkle three times in other words it's a it's a community that has a they have a couple levels of couple levels of of participation i don't i don't know i i don't think that's biblical where did yeshua say keep my commandments but if you can't keep them just keep some of them did yeshua ever teach did he ever say that do you ever say take on take on me my yoke take my yoke upon you learn from me uh but if you can't do that do that. At least do this. Well, what's interesting is that you have people like FFOZ and the UMJC and others who say that this means that, you know, well, I shouldn't say the UMJC. The, the, the FFOZ takes this passage in the Didache. I think that they're assuming this is a very early document, which, okay, it might be. Um, but they take this to, to mean the Torah. And but, for Jews. No, for Gentiles. They equate it with no, the Gentiles. The whole yoke, the whole yoke, they say is, oh, you think they they say the whole yoke? I thought they, they say that the whole yoke of the Lord is is like uh, full rabbinic halakha. No, 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 no. They take the, okay, look. Oh, okay, I misunderstood. Let's, let's go to, let's go to, uh, let's go to Messiah Journal 101, okay? And my father's written an entire article, on, a 50-page article on uh, the divine invitation theory. This is where... They talk about this. This is from Messiah Journal 101, summer uh, 2009. And this is the part that I have marked out. I'll read it to you. In Acts 15, the apostles sided with the Pauline camp by exempting the Gentiles from obligation of circumcision. The apostle Peter asked, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Acts 15.10. The term yoke is a common Jewish idiom for one's obligation to the whole Torah. 
the apostles mandated four decrees for the Gentiles. So the, I'm still confused by what FFOZ means by this. Oh, okay, well, for Acts 15.10, they're saying the whole yo- the, the yoke is, is... the whole Torah. The whole is, <clears throat> the, is the Torah according to... But, but it depends on which group you go to. Do you go to Qumran group? They're all going to tell it make, you. It makes no difference because it says that because FFOZ is still advocating for Jews to keep the, the law and the whole law. But it, they say in Acts 15, uh, in Acts 15, 10, they say that neither we or our, father, our fathers were able to bear. So then is FFOZ saying that the Jews don't have to keep the whole Torah? Perhaps what's uh, even more interesting is the division that we have between um, group people within one specific group. For instance, you have uh, the UMJC. Now, granted, the UMJC. Uh, this is a. It seems like this is a very late document uh, from the UMJC. However, it's still up on their website, so I can only assume that they still believe this. This it says an official paper of the UMJC. The issue is not whether Gentiles should or must become Jews to attain full status in the body of Messiah. It's, that's not what they're, what they're arguing. All Messianic Jews agree this issue was settled by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem in CE 49, Acts 15. Believers from among the nations were not required to accept the yoke of the Torah, but only the basic biblical principles referred to as the seven laws of Noah in the rabbinic literature. So once again, they're taking a standard, well, they're kind of taking a standard view. What they're saying is, is that the Gentiles don't have to keep the Torah, but that, but once again, they're saying that the that the Jews do. Here's interesting because it was uh, one of the one of the big popular teachers, uh, David Rudolph, Doctor Rudolph, yeah. David Rudolph, in his book, he says that this Acts fifteen ten, the yoke that Peter's talking about, is not the law of Moses. He says it's Pharisa- it's additional Pharisaic halakha. Yeah, page one. I think it's one bottom of one ninety nine. He says it's that what Peter's talking about was Pharisaic halakha. Uh, okay, let's read what he has to say. While most commentators, this is David Rudolph, his dissertation. It's called "A Jew to the Jews." Keep in mind, by the way, that David Rudolph is a main writer for the UMJC. So this is why it's interesting. By the and way, they have I, a book called MessianicGentiles.com, trying to teach Gentiles uh, to not be Jews, but to walk in uh, some kind of Torah. Okay, so wait. Without, now, without. Now, now, check this out. This is uh, this is interesting, by the way, because I found something else that you're going to like too, Rob. Okay, so this is a quote from Rudolph. While most commentators interpret Peter's under the yoke language as reference to being under the yoke of Mosaic law, the Luke-Acts context, context gives weight to the argument that Peter was referring to the historic impo- uh, imposition of Pharisaic interpretation of the law, not Mosaic law in general, on the Jewish po- populace. Oh, is that, isn't that... Okay, sorry. I contend that he is speaking of being under the yoke of Pharisaic halakha. Right? That's, that's what I understand Ru- Dr. Rudolph to be saying, is that... Acts 15.10, Peter is saying, neither we nor our fathers were able to bear all this extra stuff that you've created, that has been been created. I like Dr. Rudolph. He's a nice guy. He's always kind to me. But then, over here, 2013, Introduction to Messianic Judaism, Chapter 16 by Richard Bauckham. 
edited by Rudolph and Willits or something. Doctor, like yeah, Doctor Rudolph. So this is edited by the same guy that we just wrote, read the quote from. This is a quote from him. Not from Rudolph. This is a quote from Richard Bauckham, but this was edited by Rudolph. Quote, it was not circumcision and Torah observance, but the transformative power of, of the spirit that changed the lives of the Jewish Christian community at Pentecost and subsequently. So the gift of the spirit to the household of Cornelius showed that in the Messianic age, God was no longer making the distinction between the impure Gentiles and the pure people of God. Both were being cleansed of impurity in the same way through the grace of Jesus Christ, Acts 15, 11. With the end of this kind of, of distinction, it was possible also to envisage the end of the distinction between holy and profane groups of people, that is, between Jews, who were God's people, and Gentiles, who were not. It became possible to envisage the Messianic people of God as a community of both Jews and Gentiles, the former observing Torah, the latter not. Of course, neither Peter nor any of the Jerusalem leaders entertain the idea that Jewish believers in Jesus should give up observing Torah. But Torah observance no longer constituted a barrier between Jews and Gentiles, since their fellowship was based not on Torah, but on faith in Jesus, the Messiah, and experience of the transformative power of the Spirit. Despite his uh, aberrant behavior at Antioch, Peter had reached much the same position as Paul on this issue, as Paul recognized very well when he approached Peter for letting himself be bullied into making a show of separation from Gentiles yeah. once again. I just, the people are missing so much. They're missing the sectarian, that, that there is no monolithic Jewish tradition, that it's that you have different groups pushing different ideologies and insidership, how to be an insider for, for our group. And that's what they're dealing with. It doesn't, it's not like now you have pure Jews and impure Gentiles sitting together as God's people. No, to be God's people, you have to be pure. You're not one of his unless you are in Messiah. That, if, we, if we put that aside, if we say, oh, well, Jews are actually pure already because they were given the Torah, they don't need Messiah, then why, why is Stephen bothering in Acts 7 standing before the Sanhedrin? Say, telling them they have uncircumcised hearts. You know, why not just say, oh, you guys. No, he says, you actually, you have the Torah, but you haven't kept the Torah. So The, the, the apostolic message is this. Jews haven't kept the Torah and is, are under the wrath of God. Gentiles are under the wrath of God. If a Gentile believes in the, abandons his ancestral gods and, and believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they too are accountable to his Torah, his holy Torah, and they have to confess of their sin. And everybody's got to get on the same page. That's what we're dealing with here. But what you have is you have Jewish groups who seek privilege in their ancestry. Oh, we, we've never been slaves to sin, like it says in John 8, or like they said to uh, John the Baptist, oh, we have Abraham as our father. He's saying, no, no, God can raise up sons from these stones. You need to repent and believe that it, it's not, it, oh boy, yeah. Well, I think that, honestly, uh, I think that, now my father put forward the same exact argument uh, in, in uh, some of his work, uh, that Acts 15.10 is talking not about Torah itself, but about 
Pharisaic halakhic rulings that were heaped upon this, including, yeah. <clears throat> including. I think I think Dr. Rudolph is right about that point. I oh, agree. I, I agree with him on that one point. Absolutely, but um, but see, that's not in my view. I don't think I've never seen FFOZ take that position. I haven't either. I've never seen UMJC institutionally take that position. I hope if someone can correct me and find a place, I I don't think they take that position. Because they use that to say that the Torah is still for Jews and not for Gentiles. They want Acts 15 to, to mean that. They, they keep reading Acts 15 to say, Jews still keep the 613 commandments, the Gentiles have the seven Noahide commandments, plus or minus. And we've talked about the Noahide commandments on this uh, show before, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, to think that that, <laughs> that, that was uh, in place. And, and honestly, I mean, that's probably one of my biggest uh, issues with Keener's book that I've read so far, is that he takes the Noachide laws. Now, I like Keener, uh, and I like a lot of what he says in his, his Acts commentary. However, I strongly disagree with his uh, idea that, that the Four Commandments were a, like, initial yeah, wait. step yeah, here, in here's the, the thing. Where's, laws. What about... What about uh... Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, all your mind. What about love your neighbors yourself? What about honor your father and your mother, right? All these other commandments, would we say, oh, yeah, those are for Gentiles too. Well, they're not listed in Acts 15. Why not? Maybe they weren't, maybe those commandments aren't for Gentiles. It's because, no, they're not Noahide commandments. Yeah, of course. They're, they're, they're a guide to help them uh, that they would do well they, by starting here and starting to embrace the full worship of the God of Israel according to his will. And that's why the message about for Moses is taught in the synagogues on Shabbat. Boom. Uh, Drop Mike, walk away. Man, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, it's, it, it's, uh, people want to believe that if you're Jewish, you're special. That you that you're different than everybody else. Well, in one regard, yeah. If you're if you are if you're Jewish and you're of the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then that's a special promise. But and there's blessings associated with that with that promise. But apart from Messiah Yeshua, that's not going to get you anything in the kingdom in in the kingdom of Messiah. It's it you. You have to be born again, or you won't even see his kingdom. And that born again requirement is for Jew and for Gentile. Yeshua is the only begotten son. Everybody else is adopted. Right? We're all adopted. Doesn't matter your ethnicity. So if, you know, for the for the pious Orthodox Jew who is walking in the, the halakha, they see themselves as a repentance as a function of their relationship. They measure themselves according to the halakha. So the Baalei Teshuva today, you know, the, the young men, Jewish men who've been assimilated and now are returning to, they, you know, you have these young single men, they go to Israel and study in yeshiva, start learning some Hebrew and stuff, and they get religious. Okay. That does not mean that they are, that their heart, that they have a new heart. 
It just means that they came to an end of themselves in one corner of their life, and they're looking for religion in another corner. As far as we know, we have, we have only God knows the heart. But the, but their, the idea of teshuva is how they measure their, their life in terms of rabbinic halakha. And, that, and so what they want to do in that teshuva is return and start walking in halakha. That's not the same thing as the gospel. The gospel is that you hear the law of God and you measure yourself in terms of God's holy law, not in terms of how man, man's uh, traditions. And that's where conviction of sin is, is to see God as holy and yourself as a sinner in need of, of God's miraculous work to, make, to, to save you and deliver you. That's what the gospel is. It's not like, oh, you know, yeah, my great-grandpa and grandma were, were Jewish, and I better... They, you know, and they kept the Torah. I better start adopting a Torah lifestyle, yeah, because I want to honor my ancestors. And 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 besides, you know, Israel is is stands alone in the world, and I, I want to be on the side of Israel. That's not repentance. They might call that bale teshuva, but it, but that's not the fruit of the gospel. You know, uh, those are my thoughts. No doubt, I'm with you. I think that the, I think that it's inter- what I think is interesting here. I'm not trying to pick on anyone specific. You know, I think that it's you know we have the Christian commentators that, for the most part, are uh, are saying no, this is the Torah. Then you have F of O Z, and you know Keter kind of says no, it's it can't be the it can't be the Torah. It's probably uh, something else. You have F of O Z that says oh, it is the Torah. It's just the Torah for Gentiles. Jews still have to keep it, but the Gentiles, no, it's done away for the Gentiles. And it seems as though you have the UMJC in this document saying the exact same thing. No, the Torah is not for, the Torah is not for Gentiles, it's for the Jews. And this is, this is the, the distinction between Jew and Gentile uh, that we need to have, even though verse 9 specifically says there's no distinction anymore. But then you have, uh, you know, somebody like Rudolph, who is a, uh, a writer for, and I think one of the champions of the UMJC, uh, come along and it's almost as if he's speaking out of two sides of his mouth because in what he writes, he says, no, it's Pharisaic halakha, which I agree with, my father agrees with, Rob agrees with. But then in a different publication, which he edits, he allows somebody else to say, oh, this is, this is clearly the, the Torah for the Gentiles. The Gentiles don't have to keep it anymore. The Jews do. But now we don't have to worry about this distinction anymore of Torah because the Gentiles don't even have to keep it. So it doesn't this, matter. You know, this issue was in those messianic luminaries or whatever they call, you know, these uh, uh, Orthodox Jews from like the 1800s that came to faith in Yeshua. Uh, some of the, they have to wrestle with, well, and I think it was uh, Levertov said that, well, Paul, I don't remember, I, I get it mixed up. I wrote an article on this a couple of years ago, but basically that Peter and Paul, basically, they had permission to break the Torah. So even though they were upholding the Torah still for Israel, they themselves didn't keep it for the sake of the mission to the Gentiles. And, that, and so you see people just trying to find different places on the continuum. Where is, was Paul observant or not? Was Peter observant or not? Um, and, you know, the... Quite frankly, the, the apostolic writings don't tell us much about their Torah observance. You know, it's just that it's, it, it's just a, it just it doesn't tell us a lot. Um, so we have to just accept that we're 
with what we're, what we're told. But we can assume, there's no reason to assume that the Gentiles who were part of these early communities were somehow not participating, were not keeping Shabbat, like, or they weren't um, being circumcised. You know, it, but these things are all put in perspective, and that's in the letters of Paul particularly. These that these the obedience to these commandments it was not advertised, because it was being in Messiah was the primary identity marker, yeah. and they Paul was not going to let uh, circumcision or Sabbath keeping or anything like that become the headline act. You you brought up something earlier that I want to touch on real quick. You said you know and th- this is a great point. For, the, for our Christian brothers and sisters who says that this is the Torah done away with, the yoke is the Torah done away with, and, that, and that, that then they, the apostles give the four commands to the Gentiles. <clears throat> how, do they, how do Christian apologists reconcile that with the fact that there's obviously more than four commands? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, maybe Keener, maybe he doesn't talk about that. Uh... But I mean, if there was only four commandments that needed to be kept by the Gentiles, and that's what most Christian people are saying, is that these are the four commandments that need to be kept by the Gentiles. Well, what about things like loving your father and your mother, uh, you know, honoring your father and mother, and, uh, you know, not lying, not stealing, all these things? I mean, they might say that's part of the moral, the moral aspect of the Torah, but then Acts, 4, then Acts 15 is, is not talking about four laws given to the Gentiles, right? Right. In that case, Acts 15 must be talking about something else because Acts 15 would have to then say, oh, for the Gentiles, let's give them the moral aspects of the Torah, which obviously we've argued many times on this show is, is not, uh, is, is not a val- val- valid way to break the Torah up into three different uh, classes like that. But the point is, is that I don't, I don't know how you would – I mean, i got to ask somebody that now. Do a question. All well, right. there was FFOZ did have an article somewhere about that the expand that there was more than seven. Yeah, um, this doesn't even have seven; it has four. Yeah, I know. Uh, they talk about how it's 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 bigger than like the obligation to disciples, Gentile disciples, Yeshua is bigger than the Noahide laws, but less than Orthodox Jews. It's like somewhere in between. Uh, yeah, to me, that's that's people trying to make their theology fit into the Bible, instead of yeah, they want they want to privilege yeah. an ideology of Jewish difference uh, that is encoded in social practice. That there's a social difference. There's a group: the Jews meet here and do these things. The Gentiles meet somewhere else and do other things, and they can talk, they can meet together and stuff like that. But there's there's a gap between them, and you can't. The only way across the gap is to convert, is for a Gentile to convert and come over according to the terms of the Jewish group, adopt their stringencies, their rules for becoming one of them, and then you, then that's how you cross that that gap. And there's no other way to to cross the gap. All right. Well, I think that's about it. I apologize for all of the sound problems that we've had today. Uh, hopefully, as soon as the show's done, uh, I will end this show and get together with Gary, and we will try to figure out all the uh, technical problems that we're having and so that next week when we come on the air, it'll just be smooth as, I don't know, smooth as apple pie. Yeah, and I want to ask our listeners to, 
to pray for us, all 36 of you. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we, we, Caleb and I, we like to have fun. We do, we, we kind of have fun like with the gematria or, or funny sound clips and, you know, and we've been accused of being uh, irreverent or, or actually like contrary to glorifying Yeshua and things like that. So we've heard all that kind of stuff, but you know, we, we pray, we, we want to help Yeshua's flock get the clear, pure word, word of God. That's, that's what we're all about. And we use things like humor. We use these interactions with, with sound clips and things like that to bring a little bit of, to lighten it up again uh, a little bit because it, it, it can get really heavy. I think we need to learn to laugh. And, and, uh, but just because we are having fun, we do take this stuff very, very seriously. And we want to help people grow in their discernment because discernment in these days is, is a precious commodity. And we want to pray, like it says in James chapter 1, if any man lacks wisdom, we want to ask God to give us wisdom and discernment because these, we're, we live in dark days. You know, there's a lot of noise out there. There's wolves trying to uh, jump in and, and take the sheep. Uh, we know that the, the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. And we're not kidding ourselves in, in that regard. So we, we, we thank God for this opportunity, and we thank you for your prayers and the fact that you listen to us. We're encouraged that you are even listening. Even if there's five of you or 36 of you or 100 of you, uh, we are grateful and we take this seriously. No doubt. All right. I'm going to start this music, Rob, so you won't be able to hear this, obviously. But I'll start it nonetheless because I'm pretty sure everybody at home can hear it. All right. Well, send us some ideas for uh, shows. I'm working really hard to uh, prepare to go to the Philippines here in March. And so my attention is being pulled in multiple ways now. So uh, if you have ideas of verses you'd like us to exegete or talk about or anything like that, go ahead and send them to us and we would love to talk about them. Seahag at TorahResource.com or Van Hoff at TorahResource.com. We hope that this look at the yoke in Acts 15.10 has been beneficial to you and to anyone listening. And we hope most of all that our discussion has glorified our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. <laughs>